Hey there, I'm Edwina Kennedy, registered pediatric dietitian and mom of two, and this is the My Little Eater podcast. Each week, I'll be dishing out all the best info on feeding and nutrition for your baby and toddler, answering all of your what do I do when scenarios, and helping you gain complete confidence in not only feeding your child, but in parenting as well. Every episode is filled with actionable and proven feeding strategies delivered by a mama and a feeding expert who's been there and done that. I hold your hand and I take you step-by-step through all stages of feeding while showing you how to implement what I teach you so that you can raise a happy and healthy little eater of your own. Let's do this. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the My Little Eater podcast. I'm so excited so excited to be starting uh, season three with the first solo episode by yours truly. I am going to be diving right into a topic that I get asked a lot about, and it's really just about choking hazards, but more specifically, when are choking hazards not really choking hazards anymore for kids? We know that we hear a lot of the times, you know, certain choking hazards are for babies, new eaters, maybe kids under 12 months of age. And technically, all the choking hazards that you know so well from either my online course or from tips that you've seen on Instagram or whatever it is, those are blanket recommendations that are set for kids up until age four, technically, okay? And there's a good reason for this. I'm going to be going through that in just a second. But really, most of these foods uh, that are implicated in this kind of gathering this group of choking hazards are a lot of like small round or cylindrical shaped foods, harder foods, foods that can conform to the size and shape of a child's airway. So maybe like hot dogs or whole grapes or carrots or whole peanuts or other nuts or large seeds or hard candy, that kind of thing. Um, Even foods that glob up in the mouth like bread or globs of peanut butter, those are also known choking hazards. For, for babies and for young toddlers, just because they're really, really hard to maneuver. So the question is really though, like how, like am I really supposed to wait till they're four to let's say eat an apple slice or to have a raw carrot? Like do I have to be quartering blueberries and grapes literally until they're four? Or like what is the, what's the reasoning behind this? So here's the thing. When it comes to this blanket recommendation, the reason why they have this there is just because they can't know how well every single child chews and what experiences they've had, you know, um, you know, at age two and age three and age four. So really it's just set at this age to be extra safe because it's assumed that by this time, you know, by the time they're around four years of age, they'll have experience eating enough foods and different types of foods that it won't be such a struggle for them. It won't be as difficult for them to eat it safely and it's not gonna be as high of a risk. Now before that, you know, especially under age two or three, toddlers and babies really do have, you know, a lack of ability to consistently and effectively chew food into, you know, manageable pieces and their swallowing mechanism is still underdeveloped, especially those younger babies, and they lack experience to prevent or, you know, to even stop a potential choking episode from happening on their own. Of course, we're there as adults to watch and to mitigate the situation and also to set up their environment in a way that it's going to be as safe as possible for them. That's going to help. But on their own, you know, should they be eating something on their own without us there, without any guidance or monitoring, it is a, you know, a high risk because they don't really they don't really know how to like prevent this stuff. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a little bit because we can teach our kids. And also keep in mind that even for a child that is over four years of age, so, you know, we know this recommendation, okay, up until four, but 
even if they're five, even if they're six, even if they're adults, technically we can all still choke on things, right? And the foods that are listed on this choking hazards list are just foods that are higher risk to choke on. But again, it can happen at any age and it can happen technically on any food. I mean, my son, actually, here's a good story. My son choked on a hot dog at age five. And I thought I was in the clear at this point. I wasn't quartering it and and like dicing it and it still happened. And this didn't mean that I, you know, went back to doing that and quartering and dicing, even though it was the most terrifying experience of my life. I totally recognized that he did have the skills. Rather, I need to still watch him really closely. I need to encourage him to sit down. I need to encourage him to choose food really well. It was a reminding thing for me. It wasn't like a total, complete, utter fear that I had to go backwards and I swore I would never give him a whole hot dog again. No, I really had to kind of look at what caused this and that's really where it stemmed from. It was the fact that he was laughing and he was sitting with his cousins and he was a bit distracted and I wasn't watching. So it really is still something that you have to assess on an individual basis and that you do have to teach your child. You do, you have to teach them. Eat slowly, take bites, you know, that kind of thing. When kids do seem to grasp finally that need to thoroughly chew their foods, this is when it's best to start letting go of the modifications to every single choking hazard out there, even though you're still going to want to give them that odd reminder to slow down or chew well or whatever it is. Usually the age at which this starts to happen is sort of a sliding scale, but it's somewhere between 18 months and two years of age where at least certain foods can be offered without the same modifications, while other foods may still need to be, you know, left as like either totally avoided or still modified until about three or four years of age. Of course, the time frame should also be extended if your child, you know, isn't a great chewer. Let's say they have developmental delays or sensory issues or had extreme picky eating. They weren't exposed to a lot of textures or didn't eat a lot of textured foods until really late in the game, maybe after one year, maybe two years, you know, Whatever the situation is, you're going to have to assess that on a child-by-child basis and and extend that time frame, you know, uh, based on that. It's kind of like saying, if this kind of analogy makes it a little bit easier for us to understand, it's like saying, what's the safest age to allow your child to climb the monkey bars or go down the slide at the playground? You know, like it really depends on your child, your comfort level, what they've already done before, what level of risk you want to take. And it's about this balancing act between wanting them to experience life, wanting them to gain independence, wanting them to gain those eating skills, wanting them to, you know, have all of that while also still being safe. So you've got to weigh this out. And really, this is an individual parenting decision. That's why, like I said, I say for me, the most important thing for me to coach you on is to educate your child. This is the most important thing. It's not going to like, like I said, that food's not magically just not going to be a higher choking risk food. It is. It's still always going to be a higher choking risk food, but we're going to teach them how to handle it. And once they know, then we can trust them to do more and more. So just to recap. When you feel like your child has mature eating skills, so they are moving the food around in their mouth well, they are chewing their food before swallowing, that kind of thing, then you can start to consider offering some of the foods that were choking hazards under 12 months of age in a cautious way. And again, there's no set time to do this across the board. Always, 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 always offer them in a safe and supervised setting. 
Every single time a new parent asks me, what's the number one way that I can prepare my baby for starting solids? My answer hands down is to take an infant CPR course. I once had a terrible scare with my youngest son choking and the worst part was that I didn't know what to do in the situation. I felt helpless and it's a feeling that I never ever want any other parent to ever have to go through. Thankfully, my sister-in-law was there and she knew exactly what to do. And seconds later, he was breathing again and back in my arms. Now, I can't recommend to parents enough that they take an online course. And the one that I trust is the infant slash child CPR, choking and injury prevention course from Safe Beginnings. It's easy to do from the comfort of your own home. It's complete with videos and visuals and it will give you the confidence to manage emergencies for infants and children and the know-how to prevent many of them from occurring in the first place. So click the link in the show notes and use code MYLITTLEEATER for 20% off of the online course and feel totally prepared that your baby will be safe during this feeding journey. That's code MYLITTLEEATER for 20% off of the course. Now you can enjoy the feeding process instead of stressing about it. So let me go through a few of the foods on the choking hazards list and just let you know how I would modify them and what I did for my kids and what I often recommend for parents who are willing to who are willing and ready to kind of move their child forward, what are the steps I would take for different types of foods? So for example, whole grapes. You know, we we typically recommend you're quartering them. That way, you know, they're not in that perfectly round shape. What you can do to start is you can half them instead of quarter them, you know, lengthwise. That's a great place to start before progressing to whole grapes. And when you do finally get to whole grapes, maybe you only offer them when you know you're able to watch them really closely and you are sitting at the table with them and you're giving them your undivided attention. So what I want you to do in that in that circumstance is you can show them how to take bites out of a large grape either you know by placing it right over their molar so putting it in the side of their mouth over where their molars are and teaching them to take bites out of that or with their front teeth. So you could put it in the front of their mouth, get them to bite down on it using their front teeth, and then show them, first you show them and then let them do it, show them how they can move the grape from you know the middle of the mouth to the side of the mouth, right over where their molars are, and then chew that way. So when you're showing them, always make really exaggerated motions with your mouth. That's gonna help them see exactly how they should do it. And if you're doing it in a way that makes it fun, that's really silly, they're gonna wanna follow along. So you can say, chomp, chomp, chomp. You know, um, how would a dinosaur chomp this? Uh, That kind of thing to get them excited and happy and silly and, and you know, thinking this is funny or thinking this is something, yes, I want to follow along and I want to learn and praise them when they do it, right? But just making sure that they learn, I'm going to crush this really, really well before swallowing. With blueberries, this is another one that I, you know, we all recommend quartering blueberries, quartering raspberries, um, because again of their, their cylindrical shape and they're slightly harder. What I would suggest is you can start by offering them actually large blueberries. There are some mega sized blueberries out there and teach them to take bites out of that in the same way as I kind of mentioned with the grape, especially using the front teeth to cut it in half and then maybe moving it to the side, chomp, chomp, chomp over their molar area and then they can swallow it. You can also move them on to half blueberries before you actually move them on to whole blueberries. And again, if you're not with them and you're worried someone's not gonna be watching them or you know you need someone to coach them through chewing it well, then maybe you just offer for quartered blueberries for just those times and then save that, you know, chewing, chomping lesson for when you're home with them. Another food that I want to talk about is peppers. So raw veggies, like when can I start to offer that to my baby? 
With peppers specifically, what you can do, once again, offer them in strips, have them chomp like a dinosaur over their molar areas, make really loud crunches. That's like a super crunchy food and that you can kind of laugh and have fun with and make it a silly thing again. Or what's possibly even safer actually is to offer huge pieces of pepper. Like, pot, you know, I'd cut it in half or even a whole pepper and give them that whole thing so that they're forced to take a bite into it. Again, crunch really loudly. How many bites can you take? How many chews can you make? That kind of thing. And just get them to practice biting into something before, uh, you know, giving them smaller pieces. Like I would say it's much, much more of a risk if you were to give them small dice pieces of pepper. That is not going to be something that's gonna encourage them to bite down on it versus something large that they have to, they're forced to bite into. Um, with cucumbers, I encourage only offering, like when they're, you know, especially 12 months and under, but even I would say six to nine months of age, I would encourage only offering that inner center portion of the cucumber that's really soft, like you know where the seeds are. That's kind of what I would recommend in the beginning, especially if they have teeth and they can take chunks out of it. But after that, what you can do is just start graduating to like a little bit more of the outer core being attached to that piece of cucumber that you give them after 12 months of age. And then a little bit more and a little bit more. Again, watch your child, see what they can do. If you want, you can slice it in rings and remove the skin to start. And then you can offer it with just like half of the skin on there. You know, maybe peel half of it off, leave some of it on. And then you can move on to just giving them the actual slice of cucumber with the skin on. Honestly, they may spit it out at first as they're trying to work through this, but this is a really important part of learning. And I would be much, much less concerned about the skin in terms of choking than I would be of them actually taking large chunks of a hard cucumber that's unchewed and then that being swallowed. So again, I would start with that inner portion, work your way out little by little as you see what they can do. When it comes to apples, okay, so this is a big one. We're always hearing apples in, in wedges and slices. Those are al- almost one of the most common choking hazards because they break off in these perfect chunks and they're super hard. What I suggest doing is graduate them to a whole apple first. That way they can take bites out of it. They are taking controlled bites. They're actually choosing and and understanding like, okay, I'm gonna dig my teeth in like this. This is what happens when I go wide. This is what happens when I take little tiny bites. You know, they kind of mush it up in the process too when they're biting out of a whole apple versus again, it kind of perfectly breaking off into these little segments when they're in slices. So whole apple is the way to go in my opinion and based on like my experience and based on what I've done for my kids and what I've seen for my clients really that is that's the best way you can kind of teach them again how to take calculated bites it keeps them in control and they can assess that for themselves and again chewing really really well carrots this is actually one that in terms of like offering you know a maybe a baby carrot or a slice of a raw, totally raw carrot, I would actually hold off on this a little bit longer than anything else. But what you can do is you can offer, you know, those pre-shredded pieces of carrots, like you can buy them already shredded in bags kind of thing. I would offer that to your baby as like a, as a step up, not grated because grated raw, you can do that at even younger ages. I would say around 10 and 11 months, you can offer them grated raw carrots. Maybe you wanna cook them a little bit first and then you can move up to raw and then you can move up to the shredded. But 
I wouldn't offer them the actual raw carrot personally. And again, based on based on uh, the experiences I've had with my clients and in the research. What I would do though, you could just cook it less and less in a recipe. So let's say stir-frying carrots. You can start offering them maybe more harder pieces of stir-fried carrots around like two years of age, let's say, or 18 months, like depending on your child. Again, maybe instead of roasting it to the degree that you used to, you're roasting it a little bit less, you're watching what they do, seeing what their skills are, seeing their level of maturity. Are they listening? Are they understanding I need to chew this well? If not, you know what? Cook that carrot. (laughs) That's kind of the way I I see uh, it going, especially with carrots. With bread, bread is something that when it's raw, or sorry, I should say, when it's untoasted, it can be a choking hazard, especially when it's really fresh because it can glob up in the mouth. It kind of is, um, it's so gummy, uh, if you know what I mean. If you were to roll it up in a ball, it just kind of gums up together. And so we always recommend, especially for those babies under 12 months of age, toast the bread. And I always get the question, well, how long do I have to toast the bread for? When can I offer them a proper sandwich that's like soft bread or like a PB&J or something like that? I always think, again, If you're going to go untoasted, I would say offer them small pieces, like tiny, tiny pieces of untoasted bread first versus like a whole slice of untoasted bread because kids we know, especially if they're mouth stuffers, they're going to cram all that in their mouth. And again, they're going to have a really hard time managing that and maneuvering that around in their mouth with their tongue and biting into it because it's going to glob up. So start with tiny, tiny pieces. And if your child is a mouth stuffer, maybe you're going to you are going to toast that bread for just a little bit longer than a child who eats slowly, takes one bite at a time, or you can control how much that they are actually taking in at a time. Uh, But again, no set age for this. You've just got to watch your child and, and do what you feel is right. Crunchy crackers. That's another example. Like, you know, soft crackers when your baby, I recommend not offering really any true crackers before 12 months of age. A rice rusk is fine or a thin, thin rice cake is okay. But I wouldn't offer actual crackers, but let's say 12 to like 14, 16, 17, 18 months, you can offer some different types of crackers. And then when it comes to those crunchy ones though, that are really dry, really kind of break into sharp pieces, really require a little bit of a bite with their tooth. It doesn't just like melt in their mouth. Those ones, again, you could offer around, I'd say 18 months to two years of age, but look at them, watch them, encourage them to bite into it, encourage them to chew again with their molars. And you can even moisten it like that could be a little phase into it so you're you're topping it with something really like a mashed avocado or something like that that's going to add a little bit of moisture to it in the mouth so it's not just this dry cracker only as the only texture in there offering them sips of water you know again making sure they eat slowly that kind of thing so I'm not going to go into every single type of food but you can see how I really want you to just use your judgment and how there's no straightforward answer to this But the other thing that I want you to know is that when it comes to the list of choking hazards, this list is really sort of unscientifically determined. I just want to say we know we can have, you know, reports from different hospitals in terms of like the data that came in over the past year. Okay, we had you know, X number of choking incidents and the top three most common foods were, you know, hot dogs, candy, and grapes, let's say. 
okay, great. But also we have to understand those are the foods that maybe, you know, a child is eating more of, or maybe those are the foods that a child is eating in settings where they're more distracted, like at a birthday party or something like that. So is that why they've become more high-risk foods over other foods? You know, if you look at like, you know, other types of foods that kids often choke on, it's like pieces of steak or or just really dry meat or, you know, so you want to, you just kind of want to look at all the types of foods and assess for yourself, what can my child do? How am I serving this in what type of setting? And does any modification need to be made based on what I can see? I don't want you to get hung up in your own fears when there's no actual evidence your child can't do something. I really want you to try and get some help to try and push yourself out of that because we do want to encourage that independence, that growth, those oral motor skills, that independent, you know, like I said independence twice, but really that's how important it is and educating them on how to eat it. We can't be watching them forever. We can't be living in fear forever. And there's a big benefit to letting them just eat without this looming fear and without you having that looming anxiety and fear. But, you know, you know your child best. I want you to trust your instincts and I want you to watch what they can do. They are so incredibly capable. They do have the skills, especially if you've been offering them textures from early on. You can see how they've got all the different types of chews and how they've got um, the ability to swallow so many different things so well. And so trust your child and, and know that they got this too. So I hope that this helps. If you have any questions, please let me know. You can always send me a, a message on Instagram. And if you found this episode helpful, please, 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 will you leave me a review? Because this is the kind of thing I look for. I want to know your feedback. I want to know exactly what you, you know, what you're, what you're finding in terms of the topics, in terms of how I'm explaining things. Just leave me a five-star review if you find that this was helpful. And, you know, a little note, I will read every single one and, and, It really makes my day. So please, and thank you in advance. I also just want to say really quickly that if you enjoy these kinds of topics that are a little bit more in depth, a little bit more nuanced, answering questions that might be on your mind that aren't typically just found in a blog post on, you know, most of those main main feeding accounts that are like the most commonly asked questions, you're going to want to join a new thing that I have launching in the next few weeks. It is the Little Eaters Club. This is an exclusive membership for parents who have already taken one of my courses, you get into this membership and you have a community with tons of support. You have monthly coaching calls with yours truly. So we get you on a call. I get you explaining your situation. I coach you live. Other people can learn from it. It's amazing. We're going to be doing a a whole video library of content that's going to be released every single month with topics that cover things like this. We're going to be releasing different guides. I know I'm opening up with a cracker guide, top 50 snacks for your babies and toddlers, just a bunch of ideas. Oh, and speaking of that, we're also releasing monthly recipes. So we're going to be dropping five recipes every single month that are going to be good for your baby, for your toddler, different ones, obviously, that are all going to be family friendly, but that are just going to be totally meeting the nutritional guidelines, you know, totally dietitian approved, easy, and that our picky eater approved as well. So I'm so excited. This is going to really give everybody the support that they've been asking for in a deeper level and in a way that's going to really, truly give you that extra confidence and everything that you need in order to really keep on raising that healthy little eater. You'll never have another question again that goes unanswered. So I hope you join us when we launch it and uh, keep your eyes and ears open for more information on that. Very exciting stuff. Okay, with that, that is it. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.